Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as He leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. Good morning to everyone in the room and to those of you who are joining us online. It is good to be together today. The church, the body of Christ, gathered together to worship God in spirit and in truth. If I have not met you yet, I am Heather Jalad, and I get to serve here as the community engagement pastor. I feel like I should start with saying previously on the book that brings joy. We've been, we've been in this series, the book that brings joy for the last number of weeks and, um, looking at the Bible as six chapters, six pivot points in the story that God is telling, the story of God and the story of us. Last week, the second act began in the coming of Jesus, the long awaited savior, the Messiah that the people of God had longed for, expected certainly yet coming in very unexpected ways. The promised savior came. He lived a perfect life. He taught us. He showed us what it looks like to live in relationship with God and one another. He, he preached. He taught. He healed. He predicted his death many, many times. And he died a sinner's death on a cross. He was crucified like a criminal. He rose again and ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, defeating death. Before he left, he promised. He promised his disciples and us that we would not be alone, that the spirit would come, the counselor, the advocate, the the comforter, and that we because of our number, the body of Christ, the church, would do even greater things. This was not an end of the story, but a turning of the page into a new chapter, the church. Let's pray. Loving God, we give thanks that you have brought us here today, that you have placed us in this place and time for such a time as this. Lord, that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit and that you have given us to one another so that the body of Christ here might continue to live out what it means to be your body, your beloved, your children, your family as a light that you have brought into the world is multiplied through our witness. We ask and pray that you would meet us here again today that the Holy Spirit that inspired these words to be written would interpret them today for our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray it. Amen. Well, stories have a a big impact on how we see and experience the world truly. The story of God that God is telling speaks not only to what has happened, but what is happening and what will happen. Somewhere up there in the great storytellers of all times in the list of formative stories for the the people of the world is the great storyteller William Shakespeare. Last week, Tim started with musicals, so I thought I would start with movies and plays this week. Why not, right? So to test this whole idea of these great stories and how they form and shape us, I thought we would uh, put up maybe a movie or a production and see if you know which one of Shakespeare's plays 
this relates to. Okay, so first one, West Side Story. Anybody? Romeo and Juliet. You guys are good. Okay. What about this next one? She's the man. Twelfth Night. Yeah, I heard somebody had it. Great. Twelfth Night. All right. How about this next one? Oh, y'all got the hint. (laughs) Ten things I hate about you is the taming of the shrew. The taming of the shrew. Now, this one surprised me. I did not know this one. This next one, Mean Girls. Anybody? No, it's not King Lear. It's actually Julius Caesar. Okay. And then this final one. What about the Lion King? No, not Macbeth. Hamlet. Yes. Wow. Somebody knows their theater. That might have been Rick. Oh, my goodness. So Stratford on the Avon is not really known for its geographical location, but rather William Shakespeare, their favorite son. And it's along this road from Stratford to London that there is a roadside inn that was the one-time home of a 16th century pub. It's been renovated many, many times. At one point in time, it was actually bought by a a businessman, a London banker that was preparing to retire. And during his renovation, um, he discovered in this sealed-off cellar inside a musty chest the tattered remains of a yellowing manuscript scrawled with almost unreadable quill marks in Old English. That's old with an E, just so, you know, Old old English. (laughs) Old. He almost tossed it, but instead he decided that he was going to take it to somebody who knew about these things in London. And there he discovered that it was a manuscript of a play written by none other than Shakespeare. But due to its age and its crumbling pages, the final act in this manuscript was was missing. Once the word got out that this had been discovered, um, many asked, would this long-lost masterpiece remain unfinished? Of course, the, the Shakespearean actors and historians around the world clamored to get a look at this. Finally, they decided that it would be a travesty if it were not brought to the stage. But what to do? The final scene, the final act was not there for them to to read. The problem was with no ending, they had to figure out what would happen next. So some of these best Shakespearean actors from across the globe were called together to do a series of of stage productions, each group improving what they thought would be the final scene, the final act, the ending. It's kind of where we meet the disciples um, in this book of Acts, right? Jesus has come. He has shown them how to live. He has taught them what it looks like to live in relationship with God and one another. He's taught. He's healed. He's proclaimed. He's died and rose again. He has ascended into heaven, and there they are. Huddled down, waiting for the Spirit. We're told in the book of Acts before chapter 11 that the Spirit indeed has come. And yet things were not going smoothly. Certainly more and more were giving their lives to Jesus. 
But not everything was going smoothly. In fact, though many were turning their lives to Jesus, persecution, the persecution of Stephen, as Blaine read from the scripture, had sent them on the run. They were running and hiding from this persecution in all different sorts of places. To be clear, they end up in Antioch not because they go, because Jesus has commissioned them and instructed them to go, but because they're being persecuted and they're on the run. And that's where we pick up in Acts 11. Conditions were certainly far from perfect. It was not their choice that they were there. And to that point, this good news had only been shared with the Jews, the Jewish people that had become believers in Jesus. The believers had been scattered. They were refugees on the run, some landing in Antioch in what we know as Syria. Antioch was a a sort of crossroads between a culture of culture and trade in the ancient world. And half of all who traveled anywhere would sooner or later come through this place, this thriving, crowded, cosmopolitan city. And no, they were not there for their own accord, but rather fleeing for their lives. It seems like a pretty good place, if we take that into consideration, for sharing about Jesus. The scripture tells us that here, a few believers who believe that the good news was truly good news for all people, here, Gentile believers, the Hellenists or the Greeks, are first called Christians. Because these believers believe that the good news was not only for them, for the Jews, but for all people. Because someone shared with them And because the Lord's hand, we're told, was on them. We're told that when Barnabas gets there, he sees the grace of God working. As Wesleyans, as Methodists, we recognize this as a provenient grace of God, the grace of God that's working before we ever arrive, the grace of God that is calling all people to God's self, the Holy Spirit. This is the primary work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is moving and working. And these new believers share this good news, the Jesus that is already there, the God that already loves them and calls them into relationship. Large numbers of Gentiles turned to Jesus due to these unnamed evangelists who had no reason to hold back. So as I said, Barnabas is sent to check things out. The church in Jerusalem gets word of what's happening, and Barnabas goes to check things out, and he sees this grace of God at work. A page is turned in the story that God is telling. These unnamed evangelists were no Peter or Paul or John, but they took God's mission personally. Wherever they were, they embraced the mission of God. The people of God, the church, the body of Christ has a practical and theological role to play in this next chapter. Like those sharing in Antioch, it's not about strategy, it's simply about faithfulness. Faithfulness to the call of Christ, to the commissioning of Christ, and to his sending the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not about success. It's about faithfulness wherever we are, whatever the circumstances. Speaking about Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, but in the context of relationship, 
Again, this is not about transactions and a a track record of lives saved for Jesus. It's about proclaiming the good works of God in your own life, the good news of God's love and grace in your own life in relationship with other people. So I can't help but uh, ask, wonder today, who are the new Gentiles? Who are those who are not yet knowing, hearing of this good news? Who are those who do not yet know the love of God? Because no one's told them. No one's shown them. Or we assume that maybe they wouldn't want to hear or know. And who are those that are not holding back from sharing about Jesus amongst us? It certainly is something for us to consider as we look at the text and what it means for us today. The story of God that is still being told, that is still unfolding. Again, it's not about convenience. It's not about a grandiose mission trip on my terms where I pack my bags and go somewhere else across the globe. Because I think we can have this fantasy about being on mission with God and yet we can get stuck in neutral, right? Because we have to get past this or that. Or we just have to be done with that before we can move on to this. Remember, those unknown evangelists were in Antioch because life took them there. It was not of their own accord. It was not a part of their plan. Again, this is not about being successful or having the perfect conditions or having the perfect plan that you're working out. It's about being faithful. The improv actors of Shakespeare's play, without an ending, they didn't just wing it. But to some extent, what they did came naturally. They'd acted in other plays for years. They knew a Shakespeare play inside and out. They knew Shakespeare's voice, how he likely would move from one scene to the next, how the exchanges between the main characters would play out. To discover God's grand story in the Bible is to discover a sort of unfinished masterpiece. The New Testament ends with a baby church stumbling forward. It's the opening of what happens next, not the whole story. Sure, we get the ending in Revelation, but the baby church in the book of Acts and the book in, the, in Paul's letters and the, the apostles' letters to the church, it's the beginning of the baby church. We are a part of the next chapter. Likewise, when the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, we can obey the call and the command, the commissioning of Jesus, and observe where the plot is going, and learn from where it's been, so that we might write the next chapter. Again, sure, we have a vision of this final scene, but from the birth of the church at Pentecost until now is the final act, the transition the what's next? What's your part in this great drama? What's our part as the church, the body of Christ in this great drama? What's your part in this final act? That's our part of the play. Let's pray. 
Gracious God, you come and surprise us again and again in the everyday moments of our lives, whether they are smooth and going as we planned, and especially, especially in the times that they are not. Lord, in the everyday places and spaces of our lives, make us ever aware of your presence and of your power, of the story that we have to tell of what you are doing in our lives, how you have changed and are changing our lives, of your great love and how that changes everything so that others might know it, that others might be a part of this family that you have brought us into, that you have adopted us into and made us a part of by your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that there are no bit players in the story that you are telling, that we all have a great, great opportunity to be a part of this story. Lord, that you have purposed us all and placed us all and intend to use us all wherever we are. Give us eyes to see, to perceive the work of your spirit in our lives and in the lives of others, that we might point that out and say, that is God. That is God's grace at work. That is the power of the Holy Spirit at work. May we truly be a light to all the nations that you have called us to be. Empower us by your spirit. Revive us once again to be your church. It's in Christ's name that we pray it. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.